For episode 13, I'm playing another interview I had with E6S Methods Podcast, hosted by Aaron Sparron. We go over tips for greening your 5S events. I also go over this in detail in episode 9 of my podcast, which you can find at LeanSixSigmaEnvironment.org. In this episode, we go beyond just the green discussion, and we talk about 5S in general, including experiences we've both had, good and bad. I highly recommend their podcast if you are a Lean Six Sigma practitioner. I think you'll get a lot of value out of it. And you can go to e6s-methods.com to learn more, and I'll have a link in the show notes for this. Um, one note, the audio quality is not real good on my end. Um, Aaron sounds great, but mine's a little... Um, like I'm in a fish tank or something. Um, so I probably need to get a better headset or a different office setup, but, um, hopefully it's, it's not too distracting and you can still get a lot out of the episode. And just a final reminder, the 90 day waste walk challenge is starting on October 1st. So time is running out. Uh, it's completely free and we're going to give you a step-by-step guidance on how to conduct a waste walk before the end of the calendar year, calendar year, so the end of December. And so you can implement those ideas within 90 days, which would be uh, middle of next year. So you have some time. It's not uh, super fast-paced, so it's, it's designed for people's schedules who are busy. Um, you can look at the list of tasks that we're going to ask you to do on our site. If you go to the upper right section of the webpage. And if you're interested, then you can sign up. Just put in your email address, and then that'll get you... Uh, into the uh, contact list for October 1st. And basically what you're going to do is you're going to get email reminders for each task as they're due. And then you can kind of stay on track with that, um, with those tasks throughout the challenge. So go to LeanSixSigmaEnvironment.org and look for that link in the upper right section called 90 Day Waste Walk Challenge. Um, hopefully it's a very simple way for get to get all you guys involved and try out this waste walk challenge. I think you'll really like it. I think it's a great way to get your teams engaged and it's going to give you some experience and some um, you know, practical examples you can show to help further your career into more of sustainable type projects and events. Maybe that's going to lead to a different job. Maybe it's going to lead to uh, a change in roles at your current job. Um, who knows? But um, the more experience you're building up, the, the more opportunities that will open up for you. So uh, let me know if you have any questions. You can contact me through the website. Hope you enjoy this um, upcoming episode and the interview with Aaron and I. Thanks. Welcome to the eSuccess Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 129, we welcome back Brian Hurley to speak about how he sees a 5S event from the environmental side. It's not easy being green. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Brian, welcome back to the E-Success Methods Podcast. You are our first repeat guest. I was going to ask about that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, I'm excited. So, uh, <laughs> well, i got a couple things to thank you about. First of all, thanks for coming back on. Second of all, um, you right now are the, the largest donor to the Make-A-Wish Foundation through the E-Success Methods Podcast. So thank you again for your generous donation and for uh, listening to the podcast and being the first one to 
to uh, contact me and uh, for that call to action. Yes, <laughs> I wanted to be on top there. Well, you are. If someone beats me out, you got to let me know. Oh, well, there's <laughs> there's the challenge. <laughs> there's a challenge right there. <laughs> So uh, I've been listening to your podcast and your podcast is great. And uh, I want to encourage everybody else to check it out as well. And, and uh, one of the reasons I asked you to come back on this one uh, is because you were going over something called the 10 tips for green five S and I was going through and at first I was like, okay, this would be interesting. How does he, how does he spin five S and to be more green? But then as you were going through it, I was, I was thinking, Oh, I didn't think of that. And it's like, oh, and I do, I've done that before. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I was like, hey, wh- why don't you come on and uh, talk about this? But but first, I want to congratulate you on getting accepted to uh, speak at the uh, AME conference coming up in Dallas. Can you can you tell us, every, everybody, what, what you're going to be talking about? Yeah, um, this will be my first time going to AME, so I'm, I'm excited. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Uh, it's a week-long uh, conference from Association for Manufacturing Excellence. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the topic will be integrating environmental sustainability into your Lean and Six Sigma program. Right. So how, to, how to adjust tools and integrate some concepts of, I think some of the stuff we talked about last time I was on the show, right. is how do we kind of tweak your, your program so you incorporate more sustainability activities into it. Excellent. And uh, I am actually very jealous because uh, while I was on strike duty, the deadline to submit the abstract had passed and I came back and I'm looking at the paper and I was like, I, I just like basically hit my forehead <laughs> with my hands. Like, Cause that was a big one. That was one that I wanted to be a part of and, uh, and yeah. I missed the deadline. So I think you're going to be, I think you're going to be great. I think you can have, um, I want, I want stories and I think the network that I keep, the people I hear from who are, I'd say the current thought leaders, they all go to this one. So congratulations and good luck to you. Cool. Thanks. So, um, all right. So talking about a little bit about the, um, AME, uh, there's this topic you keep talking about and I, th- I think it'd be good to bring it up again. And this is the, to remind everybody this, uh, acronym that you talk about and that's, uh, waste waste is the acronym. Waste. Yes. So that stands for water, air emissions, solids, mm-hmm. toxins, and energy. Okay. Those are just five common uh, focus areas that a business can look at for opportunities to uh, affect their environmental performance. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a cool acronym that I got from a class I took, and it's uh, I think it's it's ties in nicely with the lean concepts and and one of the things I've been promoting is trying to get people to do a gemba walk or, or a waste walk or um, a go and see. And focus on one of those five areas mm-hmm. and just kind of look around and see what are the opportunities and take a team around if you can and and just start there or something simple and just see if there's uh, improvements that can be made or data that can be collected to see where they're at. Right. Kind of a current state without getting too wrapped up in a formal event. You know, what's interesting about this is um, and when you're in, in when you when you're first learning lean. And uh, it's almost like uh, removing blinders. You know, you're in a uh, manufacturing situation, and it's just situation normal, business as usual. And then you learn about lean, and and then all of a sudden you look around and you see all kinds of things that you that are waste in the lean sense. And now it's almost like you're saying, okay, you've gone to Gemba. Now go to, to Gemba again and and think about these things as sort of the 
the next level of maturity uh, in your lean journey. And I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Yeah, and I think just uh, some of these things are are not something you notice right away. It's and maybe even not even in the work area that you mm-hmm. notice the water pipes or you know how the HVAC system's working or the compressed air. You know, all those things are kind of hidden or outside of the workspace, so they don't often get looked at mm-hmm. even when you are working on other lean activities. So kind of a focus around that specific impact is um, maybe the first time it might be looked at that way, right. at least with a team of people. So I, I had done, in preparation for this episode, I had done a Google search uh, with Brian Hurley and Waste, and... Uh, Luckily, good things came up out of it, and uh, <laughs> one of them was your your Udemy course on this. So you have a course uh, specifically on this topic. Yeah, the waste waste walks mm-hmm. is what I'm calling it. But um, yeah, basically trying to talk through at least the the more common ones, uh, the energy treasure hunt concept, which GE did a really good job of putting together a program around that, mm-hmm. and they've done hundreds of events, and so I've seen a lot of their videos and. And then we were able to implement something similar at Rockwell Collins, where I work. And we did five or six different events around the company. And it was really uh, a good way to get the uh, effort started around energy reduction. And then I talked through a couple other ones, a water walk, and then um, the solid waste walk, but also called it a dumpster dive. Right. Where you're, you know, storing up your, your trash from the business or in your, you could do it at your house as well. And sorting through and getting data on where what is being thrown away and looking for opportunities based on the results to reduce your uh, stuff that goes to the landfill and either recycle it or stop generating it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So since our, your last time on the show, uh, probably roughly a year ago, um, what what new progress have you made either within Rockwell Collins or just within the circles that you've been uh, promoting this environmental Lean Six Sigma? Yeah, so... Um, I think one of the things that's come through is um, at work, I've been in Portland here for about three years now, mm-hmm. and um, we got a certification through our county through for sustainability. Nice. That was last year in December. So that was really good. That was a, about a, a year worth of effort to um, go through a, a list of a checklist of items that they suggest. And, and as a business, you needed to meet like 50 of the 85 items or 55 of the 85. And so we went through and we checked where we were and we had to address about 10 items. Right. And that took us about a year to get through those remaining items. So I think that that really helped us kind of get a baseline of where we were. Because mm-hmm. um, that was, like I said, still kind of new to the facility. And uh, so we got a chance to learn what had been done in the past. And really, I think it's led to some other efforts like we were able to kick off a, a Six Sigma project now on electricity reduction. Excellent. So we're right in the middle of that. We've kind of wrapping up Analyze. So we have a, a lot better handle on where our energy's at right now. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at what, um, what projects have good payback. And if we can't spend any money, then what else can we do? So hope, hopefully a few months from now, I'll have some results from that project. Excellent. So this, uh, this was a, a county thing, as in the county had its own standards it was expecting for sustainability? Yep. So um, the city of Portland had uh, a program they've had for a few years, and I think the, count, the county is connected to uh, the main Portland counties. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to do something similar kind of in the metro area. 
and and so they I think they modeled it after the city of Portland. Okay. And so that's pretty. We were one of the first manufacturing companies to go through it. So they have it for different types of businesses, and it's a little bit slightly different for each one. But um, in general, that's the idea. Is they're trying to get businesses to step up and go to that next step, or kind of get them started, right? And then network with each other to find out well what's working well for you know, improving recycling rates at your company or what are you guys doing to get people to turn off equipment or enter, um, save energy. So I think that's another aspect of it that's pretty beneficial. So it's like a, a local Baldridge for sustainability almost. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Nice. Do they, um, do they have uh, some good carbon footprint calculators or are those uh, still yet to come? Um, I think I've been using the, the EPA has a carbon footprint calculators mm-hmm. so you can put in kilowatt hours and then it converts it or um, you can put in therms or um, BTUs and things like that. So for the most part, that that works pretty well for me. Mm-hmm. We haven't really tied everything into a carbon footprint number. Okay. Um, but yeah, like when we get on this project, that'll be one of the outcomes is what is the impact on carbon? What is the uh, kilowatt hour savings? And then what's the actual dollar savings? Uh, interesting. Well, we'll have to check back in uh, another year's time and see how well that's going then. Okay, cool. So uh, can you uh, quickly run us through what you have for 10 tips, and then maybe we can talk about a couple of them, and then for the rest of them, people have to go to your site to get more information. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll list out the 10, and then we can yeah jump into a few of these. Sure. So the uh, And I'm assuming everyone is familiar with 5S. If not, then they can go to your – you guys have covered that already, I uh, yeah, a little bit. We did a short one on 5S, and then, uh, yeah, if they want any more, they can go anywhere on Google. Um, and I've already I've already recommended Gwendolyn Galsworth's uh, podcast to people because she does have some very interesting insights on, and you mentioned it in the email to me, how it's sort of not only misapplied, mis, uh, but also misinterpreted uh, in terms of yep. how, how everything ended up getting translated. And she takes ownership of that because she did the original mm-hmm. translation. <laughs> Right, yeah, she says, hey, I'm, I'm the one who did it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I did <laughs> You're, my best. the right answer now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good podcast. Yeah. I recommend that, too. You guys are all in the same area. Have you met Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn at all? I have not yet, um, but our company has reached out to her. Okay. And so I, I expect that soon we will be doing some work with her. Well, I think... Because we're right at that point with some of the visual workplace stuff that she promotes. Oh, that'll be that's great. That's kind of where we're at today. So, yeah, I'm... Looking forward to it. That's that's really advanced, in my opinion. So that's great. And she's probably at the AME. I mean, uh, it depends on what her travel schedule will be, but I wouldn't be surprised if she's there. Yeah. All right. So go ahead. Take us through these okay, uh, ten so tips. Assuming everyone's familiar with five S, one one of the first tips is to include your environment, safety, and health representative. Um, I, I think that's one of the key ones because they're going to have a lot of knowledge that not everyone's going to be able to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, or a facilities person, you know, someone who's kind of has the building infrastructure, um, who knows that well, and also who understands the permitting piece. So they're going to head off some potential problems that you're going to run into if you want to move things around or get rid of things. Or usually the ES and H facilities group is uh, often left out and they're not included till it's too late and then right. you run it. The second one there is uh, using safe cleaning supplies. So a lot of the effort is to clean through um, equipment and wipe down surfaces. And so making sure you're using safe cleaning supplies. Mm-hmm. Third one would be 
um, trying to use reusable towels or uh, avoiding just getting a bunch of paper towels and wipes, looking for old rags or cloth wipes to not end up with a whole trash bag full of throwaway paper towels. Fourth one is using eco-friendly tape or paint to outline or mark off areas. Right. Fifth one would be um, trying to do something with the trash before it gets thrown away. Uh, a lot of times I see dumpsters um, where people just pile stuff in there and then they just want someone to take the dumpster and get rid of it. But taking a little bit extra time to go through it and try to figure out, is there a place we can reuse this? Does someone else want this? Can we donate it? Can we recycle it? Do something before instead of just getting it out of the way and say, take it away. But really taking the extra time to sort it out and figure out how to minimize what actually ends up in the landfill out of the effort. Okay. Uh, the sixth one is um, looking at, uh, there, in 5S, there's a, a red tag system right. for identifying equipment that you want to either take away or put in a, a temporary storage area to evaluate. And the uh, EPA has got some uh, recommendations from this something called the Green Supplier Network. Mm-hmm. And they put together a recommendation around this yellow tagging of items that have certain uh, either could be harmful from a chemical chemical perspective, mm-hmm. um, or there's uh, an issue that they want the ESNH person to look at, and so an, as an, another type of tag that could be placed on there on, on different equipment okay. or machines. The seventh one is to look at ways to reduce paper by using um, like laminating documents so that they can be you know, used over and over again, like some kind of a checklist that you use mm-hmm. instead of filling one out for each part that comes through or every um, document that comes through your area is to start to laminate those things and look for ways to reduce paper. That will take up some space, or reduce some space down for where you're storing the paper mm-hmm. or things that you're printing a lot. Mm-hmm. Looking for the, the light or low toxic paints. Um, so I thought this was an interesting um, recommendation to use like a white or a lighter color. It's easier to see dirt, and it actually requires less lights in the area because uh, you're not trying to uh, lighten up a, a darker, uh, darker walls or floors. Okay. Oh, so you're talking like a full full covering paint, not just for lines. Yeah, this could be yeah the floors or the walls. Mm-hmm. So just making a lighter surface, and then using making sure that paint is low toxic and no low VOC okay. emissions, so that it's a healthier paint to use moving away from like the oil-based paints and things that give off the really strong fumes. Right. And then a lot of, in a 5S activity, there's a lot of um, storage containers that you want to put in place to make things more organized and labeled. But to, instead of just going through a catalog and just ordering a bunch of stuff, is to want to be to try to make something really rough just to make sure it's going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, make something out of leftover cardboard, put it up there, just see if it actually works first before you just order a bunch of supplies or go around to other departments or areas and see if they have something like that already Mm -hmm. that they're not using. Each area seems to develop their own little supply cabinet or area. And so maybe it's already exists in the, in the company or in the building that you could just use instead of buying a bunch of new stuff. Right. Okay. And then making the stuff that you don't need anymore, making that available for other groups to use or finding a spot that those could be stored that you know that someone's going to need that in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then last one is just to make sure that the containers are labeled properly um, and it's very clear and, or put in labels and, and bins for, for recycling or hazardous waste mm-hmm. or paper, compost, whatever those are, making them very clear and, and 
uh, labeled properly so that people use them properly. So making making sure there's space for them in the new layout as you after as you're going through your activity. Right. So so some of these, well, I guess like this this last one, um, marking and properly labeling waste streams. Is that is that different than what you would normally expect in a in a company that um, has a mature uh, ESNH uh, program, or is is that one of the big ones that's is problematic? What what would you say to that? Um, I think in a mature company that would probably already be in place. Right. Um, it depends on the areas, though. Some areas have like a central location where they have their recycling, and maybe it's not within that department or in that lab mm-hmm. or in that work area. So it, depending on how they have it set up, the, the, um, the fewer locations they have, the easier it is for them to do it upright. Mm-hmm. But then that's also further for people to go to to do the recycling. And, and so there's some kind of optimization there that you want to minimize the walking distance and the trouble of doing it. But you also want to make sure that wherever you put those up, that they're well marked and labeled and they're easy to follow. And it's updated with the right information about what they can can and can accept into each bin. Mm-hmm. With regards to the first one, you mentioned uh, have an ESNH representative. You know, I used to do, when I was a student, I was sort of the 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 move permit permitter, right? We had a permit system where if you had to move a machine, uh, then you had to do um, a design process review, and I was in charge of that of that review. So that, that had to, in that review, I had to find if there was any stacks, if there was any fluids, if there was any pits associated with that. Is that sort of the reason you would want an ESNH representative or is there something, something else that's, that uh, other people should be looking for? Yeah, I think that's definitely one of them is to make sure that, you know, with, with 5S as you're getting rid of stuff, it's going to free up space and the natural reaction is to either put something else there or move what you already have into a better location. And some people combine the five S as part of other lean activities, like as part of a full event. Right. So I've seen just dedicated events on five S and then I've seen it as built into a Kaizen event. And so they're also relaying out the area at the same time. And that's when, Hey, we'd like to move this closer together or put it in a cellular shape. And you say, okay, that's our plan. And you finalize your layout and then you go there and, we can't move that. That's it's going to take. Uh, we have to change the permit around, or right. we got to you know, physically. It can't can't move there now. The team has to go back and back to the drawing board on that, and that slows up a lot of progress there. So, so part of it is to uh, get them engaged early on for those types of move permit changes that could take place. Uh-huh. The second one would be that they're also hopefully providing some guidance for the teams on the recycling part of this. The, the paint, you know, some of these other topics that will be things that they're more likely going to bring up and ask about during that activity. Yeah, you, you just reminded me because when I was part of that review, I, I was not part of the team doing the move, but all of a sudden one morning I come down the stairs, I'm at Pratt & Whitney, and I see these guys <laughs> cutting a giant hole in our concrete floor, and, and they had no permit, they had no environmental testing, and it, it, it was a toxic site, um, which required testing and everything before they were allowed to do it, so... Uh, yeah, I, I, so, you know, the, you have to balance the expedience cause you know, Kaizen tries to break through the bureaucracy and then, and then somebody like me goes down and holds them back. So the tip here is if you, if you want the bureaucracy to be on your side is have this guy on your team as well. Yep. And I, I think that's 
the people I've talked to in both facilities and ESNH, and, and I've been guilty of that too, mm-hmm. is, is not pulling them in soon enough. Has uh, been, hey, we're the last ones to find out, and we're the ones that can kind of make or break it because of the stuff we know about how it connects with the building and all the permitting and all that other activity. Or we can't, we've had run into issues where we say we don't have the, the electricity load to be able to move that equipment over there. Mm-hmm. It's a huge energy user, and we just don't have the space in the panel to hook it up there. It, it would, overload it so there's so many other things like that that can come up the team's not really concentrating on they're looking at the flow and they're trying to make sure that they can do their work in a more efficient way kind of that's kind of way in the back of their minds so my my recommendation be really for any event to have facilities and or esnh involved there at least as on call and involved in the prep if they can't actually be in the event itself Mm -hmm. it's no secret i'm really trying to what is Eco-friendly tape. I've never even heard of that. I wouldn't even know which which what's eco-friendly. I mean, is duct tape not and masking tape is, or is there is there something more 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 modern than that? Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like the duct tape is just um, some could be the uh, what it's made out of. Mm -hmm. Um, Could be recycled content. Could be like what it leaves behind, like the residue leaves behind, or the chemicals that are used in the glue. Mm -hmm. reinforce it so um i don't have any names or brands off the top of my head okay so no and think of nothing it. that's marketed as uh, eco-friendly per se no but i think there's some that have yeah i, I guess i don't know what, if there's a label or of some sort for that so it'll be interesting because i'm sure there are at least companies that uh are going through the similar sustainability efforts uh, maybe they're located in europe where um they're using low voc adhesive processes <laughs> Uh, and maybe recycled uh, recycled paper or recycled plastic. So, okay, that'd be interesting. It's just one of those things that it's like, oh, well, you know, I never really thought about that. I, I should probably keep that on the, in the back of my mind next time I do a 5S event. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I hear what you're saying about the disposable towels and wipes. I mean, that, that alone, um, depending on the size of the event, that alone could fill up uh, a dumpster <laughs> if you're not <Yeah>. careful. <laughs> And some of that's you know not a uh, you know it's hard to to just find rags and and towels to to use especially some of the you know if, if this is an area that's that hasn't seen much 5s activity and you're going in there and trying to get oil and grime off of equipment mm-hmm. um, you know you're going to go through those towels pretty quick but at least to try to consider and, and figure out if there's a way to minimize the amount of cleaning supplies that you're going through or the amount of disposable items that. Uh, you have to use, but there are cases where some of the material that you're trying to clean up, uh, you might have to even put in the biohazard area. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because, um, well, yeah, they they depending on what you're cleaning up, they do they are now hazardous themselves. So you know, as I'm reading through this, and it, it occurs to me that you know, in my past, I've been overwhelmed by by an event. You think it's just as easy as okay, we're going to do an event now open up all your cabinets and let's take a look. But as I'm looking at this list, I'm like, okay, these are things that I should be more aware of up front as I'm planning. So before I even do the event to get a good idea. And, and there was one time where I went through an event where uh, I thought I was planning, right? It was a chemical company. So just about everything we were organizing (laughs) was chemistry, but completely, um, miss, um, calculated, 
the volume of chemistry that we were going to get rid of. And it ended up being, you know, I got my ESNH guy. Oh, we'll get a, we'll get a trailer. I'm like, well, trailer, we might not need a trailer. I mean, there might not be that much. Boy, was yeah. I wrong. There was like 30 year old chemistry. Everybody, every single chemist had their own chemistry lab. So they had their own inventory. None of it was shared and they all hoarded their own. Some of it was yeah. like 30 years old. Some of it was, down there and hidden for a reason because they didn't know what to do with it. But we ended yeah. up we ended up with two and a half trailers of lab pack chemistry chemistry that we had to <laughs> that that <laughs> took a significant um, chunk out of the budget that year. So it was uh, yeah. really something. Just um, it was overwhelming, and we did, I almost didn't know what to do with things after that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like you're uncovering these hidden problems that have been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And- you're the one that gets to expose it and deal with it. That's that is some of the downside that people see on the 5s is now you're forcing me to kind of deal with these issues that have been there and no one really wants to touch. And now we're getting into this stuff and figuring out why are we storing these things and uh, why are we holding on to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's it's painful and it, there's a little bit of risk involved with these events too. I mean, there's always the stories of people who have thrown away that critical piece of that one part that, you know, so-and-so knew that we would need someday and no one believed them. And sure enough, you know, it happened that that one part was needed. Mm-hmm. And someone had five vested away because <laughs> they didn't think they needed. And so there's always that downside, but I think the, the overall message is that the, the positives of, of doing those types of events, getting things decluttered, uh, organizing the area, make getting rid of the stuff that's taking up space. Mm-hmm. That you don't that you actually do not need anymore. I mean, those are much better benefits than the few you know bad situations that might have happened, right? Or the big expenses like you experience with uh, dealing with uh, problems that have been going on for years, right? And and I think a lot of like what you're talking about is um, a lot of people probably experience that when they're doing five S maybe for the first time, or they only do. I shouldn't even call it 5S, right? Because if you're <laughs> if you're doing 5S for the second time, that means you really only did 3S the first time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but but they're doing the repeat 3S, and they notice how much stuff they've accumulated. Um, so it is probably very common for people to feel overwhelmed. So I, I think what I would recommend is that people pick a small place, start small, instead of making it a huge event until they're really, you know, a lot more mature in in uh, keeping things to a minimum at this point. Yeah, and I, I'd actually recommend people start at home. I mean, go through the steps, treat it like it's a event, kind of practice on your own, mm-hmm. get get comfortable, and and you'll, you know, if you have to go through your garage, go through your closets, and first step, sort out what you don't want. I mean, that's a that's a difficult task for a lot of people, oh, yeah. and, and you get a better appreciation of what you're putting other people through by putting yourself through it first and you can justify away everything you got. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to take space or make, make room for new things or uh, reduce your living space and move into a smaller home or and into apartment, mm-hmm. then you have to make some tough decisions there. And I think it gives people a better appreciation for what they're asking other people to do at work and a lot of people will take it very personal when you're getting and talking about the items on their desk and their workspace and the things that they've held on to. So, um, yeah, so practicing at home is great. Or then, yeah, making sure that you got your desk at work all organized and presentable and you can maintain that. 
those are way those are the hard that's the hard part of 5s is that maintenance right are you gonna embed that so it always stays organized in the long run so if i uh so it's kind of like having my wife tell me to get rid of the the kayak that i saved up and bought myself but haven't used in two years <laughs> having her tell me it's time to get rid of it and go go through that emotional roller coaster and decide <laughs> that's right <laughs> Yep, but you don't know how much I spent and saved up to get that. I'm going to use it next week. Already in it. Yeah. <laughs> or you got to start using it. That's the other option. Then you can justify it a lot easier. That's true. <laughs> All right, so uh, um, so I talked about some of my failures. Uh, you ever have any aha moments where maybe you broke some of these uh, 10, uh, I'll call them 10 commandments, 10, 10, <laughs> 10 tips uh, for uh, environmental things in 5S or, or any other 5S issue? Yeah, um, I, I think in the past I have is not even realizing, you know, or even thinking about stuff. I mean, it's basically getting in a dumpster and get it out of here as soon as, soon as we can yeah. because we don't have room. We got more stuff coming. Uh, so, you know, in my younger years, then that wasn't even a, a thought in my mind about where it's go where it goes after that. So, obviously, yeah. But as my mindset has, has changed, I get a little bit more uh, concerned about those things. I also would recommend don't get so overwhelmed by it either i mean at some point you can't stop everything and you can't look over every single item but just try to do the best you can to to minimize that but there's going to be things that are going on and, and out the door before you realize it and um i wouldn't get wrapped up into stopping every single thing from going there just see if you can make a dent in what would have gone to the landfill um, but yeah the main the main failures i've had revolve around wanting to see progress in an area and then jumping in and helping uh, and and probably doing more damage than good. So um, the one example I can think of is we're having an event. Um, we we're working on two different workstations and there was some initial resistance, but we thought, hey, you know, once, we, once they get their workspace organized, they're going to have uh, shadow boards for their tools. They're going to have... Uh, a board next to them with you know easy access for them so they can find everything right. it's within reach so uh the person whose workstation i was i was on called in sick that day mm -hmm. and so i was like well I'll, I'll get a head start on this and i'll oh. set up the tools how i think you know i did sit and w watch him and see the, what he did so it wasn't just completely blind but i went in and set up the tools and made the shadow boards and i thought it looked awesome and then he came back and he was not happy because that's not where his, he wanted his tools to be. And that's not where um, the ones he used most often. And he didn't like the layout of it. And they end up changing the thing completely around. Mm -hmm. So here I was looking for, you know, hey, I want to see progress. I don't want to be able to show that we've got this nice workspace now. And um, I should have basically waited and not done anything, even though it would have seemed like that's not much progress. But right. uh, probably made more it was probably more damaging him having to come in and fix what i did than uh just waiting for him and then helping him along the way he wanted it to be done so, so. as you were doing it what was going was it going through your mind that hey i really hope he's not mad at me or was it hey he's really gonna no, like I thought this. he's gonna be so excited when he saw that <laughs> he's gonna be <laughs> wow that's amazing that's exactly how i thought it should be laid out right oh, this is great i feel so much more productive this is Wonderful. So no, that wasn't the reaction I got. So Gwendolyn so. would tell you 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 uh and you robbed him of his spirit. You know, one of the, the silent S's that she talks about. Absolutely, and 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 I think that's you know another message she gives too is you know we have to let people be creative, 
and try things out and test different ideas and not be so constrained to, it's got to look like this, it's got to have this label, mm-hmm. this color, this font, you know, just put something up there and we can always come back and make it look nicer later or, um, but we don't want to stop people from being creative or kill their spirit right away and have them conform to something when the intent is to make their job easier. Right. You know, and that reminds me actually of, um, you know, this wasn't me this time, but, uh, almost a social experiment that I got to watch. I was in a small company and the owner in, in the classic style, um, he has an idea. He wants to just move all the equipment to promote this one idea he has. And he, he does, he did this often. He'd just shake things up. Mm-hmm. So they, he got a few people to move things over the weekend and, even though the workers are kind of used to that kind of thing that day, um, the, the level of anxiety on the shop floor was through the roof. Like he, he really tapped into something, uh, carnal primal and visceral that there, there were people almost ready to have a uh, violent encounters with each other. Um, just because everybody was so on edge and it was over like, you know, the inventory of a, of a, of, uh, some, some screws or something, you know, you, you lost my screws or something like that. And it was so stupid, but just, it's very true when you draw when you, the camel's back. Yeah. When you <laughs> rob them of that spirit, um, you you've disrupted their, their territory, their safe working zone. Um, it's theirs. It really is theirs. Um, and anything that even though in the corporate world, we often, you know, just say top down approach, these guys just have to do as they're told. That's not, effective <laughs> <laughs> i've also seen um some you know over where people just go overboard mm-hmm. with the 5s you know you know that's kind of another horror stories that you hear is the um people say well it's, they made us put tape around our pencils mm-hmm. in our desks and you know i had to put something around my computer but my computer never moves so why do i need to mark it it's not going anywhere or the, a monument where we put some tape around everything. It's not going to move anywhere. So there's no real reason unless you're just labeling it. But, um, when <laughs> a friend of mine at work, it said hit at a company that they got so crazy that, uh, people just got fed up and they started, they put a uh, little footprints on next to the urinals. That's where your feet go. That's kind of like, is this, we have to mark everything now. And this is where you're supposed to stand when you're in the, when you're in the bathroom. Nice. So I, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I actually think they do do that in some Japanese bathrooms though. That's because they're a different style of bathroom and Americans don't know how to use them. So oh, that's true. Yeah. That's more for uh, training yes. for the uh, visitors. <laughs> now I have in the office uh, at Pratt and Whitney. I thought it got a little over overboard, um, and people took it to the next level because it was overboard. And you know they'd label their stapler, and here's where the stapler goes. And this is Jason's phone. Jason's phone goes here, and and, uh, st- and they even had us not just labeling, but in our village for cubes, we had to make a map of the cube and tell. Which where everything was basically their idea was if you're not at your desk, a they want to know what you're working on within 30 seconds, and b if they want to find something, they have to find it within 30 seconds, and you're only allowed to have one drawer with personal stuff in it. So it got to the, it got to that point, which was wow. which was tough, I think. 
And yeah. that was the day I walked in and found all of my, because I was out of the office that day, found my boss had taken everything off my desk and piled everything into one drawer. It reminded me of when my mom cleaned my room for me when I was just <laughs> not cleaning it well enough myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I got robbed of my spirit that day, but I, I guess I did also learn a lesson as well. <laughs> yep. So definitely don't want to take it to two extremes. So would you consider this, you know, electronic 5S to be an extreme or, I mean, is it something we need or I've, I've, I've seen people try to make it catch, but I've never really seen it catch. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised it hasn't caught on. I mean, I, to me as, you know, maybe it did one starting 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, as we started getting into everything moving electronic into drives and network drives and folders and before even the cloud applications. But I thought for sure that electronic 5S would be a commonplace, but maybe the storage is still pretty pretty, um, pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. And so people just say, well, I'm just going to buy more space and they keep adding to it. But I don't see that much activity around that anymore. And uh, it does surprise me because I think there is a, a lot of benefit where, especially start getting into the leaning in the office. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where people spend their time is, trying to find information and if they can't navigate to that information quickly because the folders are not labeled properly or there's there's not a lot of structure to how it's uh, put in there or um, and even the computer search functions are pretty poor still um, so it's not like that's gotten much better where you can just find everything like you can in right. uh, some of the online cloud applications or Google Docs but I'm surprised that I don't see more of that or hear more about and maybe there's companies out there that are doing a lot of that, but it seems like people are just adding more space and then they're starting brand new drives. Mm-hmm. This is drive number three, and this time we're going to do it right. And then, you know, two years later, it's, let's set up drive number four. Right. And then there's a new structure there, and they just leave drive three and two and one. And then you got to go back and figure out that was five years ago, so go to drive two, and that's a different structure. So I, I don't know. It, it seems like that's a lot of waste in the office area. and doesn't seem like that's a solution that people are going with. They're just adding more space. Right. Well, it is It is getting easier to do so. I mean, with the Moore's Law, everything keeps getting cheaper, faster. Um, but I, I, 3M yeah. does, you know, they don't call it 5S, but their IT does do uh, an auto archive. And basically, of at least of their email servers, if you don't manually archive it as if you want to save it, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, so there's two sides. I guess... From a liability standpoint, they don't want to hold on to those records necessarily either, um, and that's just yep. that's just rumor. But because um, uh, right now, I those... think that's more of it. I think that's we have a, a ninety day ourselves okay. at Rockwell, and they, and it's because um, I, I think that was a question that got asked early on: is this for cost savings? And they said no, it's um, really for liability. I mean, we want you to save stuff, but we don't want every single email you've ever sent laying around either. Right, because then but from email, it seems like it's. They've gotten a little bit more processes in place to manage that. Yeah, and there's you know even since email has taken the place of any uh, informal communication, uh, not everything that's said over email is accurate or true <laughs> or proper. So it's so ridiculous sometimes it's not even defensible. <laughs> yeah, but even on this files themselves, though, I just yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of management mm-hmm. around that right now. Or- I don't know. That's just my maybe my experience. No, I mean uh, I'm completely guilty of it myself. I have a uh, 500 gigabyte um, hard drive, which uh, has 
even my files on it, I probably have triple the redundancy of files and I haven't found anything that uh, does a good job of consolidating any software that does a good job of consolidating. So I'm actually butting up against the, the memory space that's left over. And I'm like, well, I probably have a lot more memory left, except I don't want to go through and go through my thousand files that I have on there. It does seem simpler to pay a little money and get some more versus spend hours to go through that. That's right. See, what is this file? Should I delete it or not? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did see a freeware that will tell you uh, about all your redundant files, but it doesn't actually clean it up for you. So that was the cleanup itself was ma- uh, was uh, manual. So that didn't help me. Yeah, I've used I've used some free programs on like Spacemonger, mm-hmm. one of them, where it'll actually basically build a Pareto or a map of your drives. And then you can start with the biggest areas and go look at those files and start at least getting the size down. It yeah. doesn't help with the number of files, but at least from a storage space, you can look at the worst, your your top Pareto bars of file sizes and start to chip away at that. Say, do I really want to keep this or maybe I move it off that drive and put it somewhere else. So that's been helpful to me when I'm trying to get cut space down um, so I don't have to go get more. Yeah, I should take a look at that again. All right, Brian. Uh, what else you want to? Is there anything else you want to uh, mention before we sign off and say goodbye to the listeners? No, I think uh, that was a good discussion. Um, appreciate your support on um, trying to green the workplace and integrate green into Lean and Six Sigma activities. If you want to learn more about that or follow some of the articles I write, um, you can find that at leansixsigmaenvironment.org. Mm-hmm. I just put articles and links to things I found uh, online or reference materials. Um, put out a couple of videos here and there. Some of the podcasts I do, I'll, I'll make a video for as well. Um, or places that I re- where I present, so at the AME. Um, I'm going to try to get that recorded so I can share that as well. Excellent. Uh, and wish you all the luck. And everybody, you should check out, if you're going down to Dallas for the AME, or if you're in Dallas, go to the AME and check out Brian and his talk, and uh, take a look at his Udemy course on the Wastewalk, and maybe take the 90-day challenge that he has, has on his website as well. I've also included links where they can actually uh, listen to your podcast on the 10 tips for Green 5S, as well as links to uh, subscribe on iTunes and Android. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks again, Brian. Yeah, and stay high if you stop by or in Dallas. I'd love to, uh, to meet anyone. All right, perfect. And Brian, let's keep in touch, and... Talk again soon. Okay. Thanks, Aaron. Welcome. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to episode 129 of the eSuccess Methods podcast. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. To connect with Brian or learn more about Lean Six Sigma and the environment, follow the links on the show notes. We love hearing from our listeners and learning how you use Lean and Six Sigma. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at esuccess-methods.com or contact us through our website. We reply to all messages. The Make-A-Wish campaign is still going, so for everyone who contacts me or leaves a review, I donate a dollar to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. The best time to contact me is yesterday. The second best is today. If not now, then when? If not you, then who? Time is running out. Don't delay. Reviews on iTunes are always appreciated and allows us to reach more superstars like you. Don't forget you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down.